You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. Boeing's 737 MAX airplane continues to be grounded while the manufacturer tries to figure out what was going on that caused two deadly crashes. Meanwhile, what we've learned about Boeing's safety measures and the corners the manufacturer has been cutting has been absolutely harrowing. A New Yorker piece last year by ProPublica's Alec McGillis, among other pieces, documented a culture inside Boeing that often favored profit over safety and punished those who questioned the manufacturer's priorities. So has all the doubt made us more cautious about flight? And what's the path forward in a nation where air travel is a ubiquitous part of our lives and integral to the effective operation of a lot of industries? That's where we want to continue the conversation today. And joining us to talk more about Boeing's troubles and air travel is Alec McGillis, author of that 2019 New Yorker article. Alec, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Steve. Yes, great to have you here. So you start your piece by talking about one of the victims in the Boeing crashes. Tell us about that victim and why you chose her story to illustrate what you wanted to say about what is going on at this company. Well, I decided to take on the story, even though I don't usually write about aviation, because I actually have a a, a personal connection to one of the victims. Um, This was a young woman, 24-year-old woman by the name of Samia Stumo, um, who died in the second crash, the crash in Ethiopia. Um, she was a young woman who was going off on her first uh, trip for a public health global global public health uh, organization that she joined um, just a few months earlier. And I I got to know her family way back in the late 90s when I was working on my first newspaper job in a small town in Connecticut, Northwest Connecticut. Um, her father was on the school board. He was a young guy, just 29 years old, but was already on the school board. Had four kids, um, and um, and was. Uh, nice guy. I got you know got to know him back then, and that family was also very um, sort of intriguing because the patriarch, de facto patriarch of the family, is Ralph Nader. Mm-hmm. Um, Ralph Nader grew up in a small town in Connecticut, and of course made his name in uh, early on in the '60s in, in transportation safety and, and taking on the car makers over their their unsafe cars, and and so I, I got to know this family, stayed in touch with them over the years. And when I heard that Samia Stumo had been in this crash, I knew basically knew pretty instantly that that this family was going to be taking the lead in fighting for accountability for the crashes, given their the, the family legacy of, of Ralph Nader and also the fact that that Samia's parents, the uh, Michael, the, the young man I met way back in the 90s, and his wife Nadia, were both very sort of activist inclined and. And, and had, in fact, already lost another child uh, early on to, to, uh, to, to cancer. And, and we're, we're really just poised in this really kind of tragic but, but, um, but also kind of fateful way to, to take on this take on this fight. And so that's why I decided to, to embark on this article. Yeah. And, and this fight is not just about trying to get justice that family, it is about trying to hold the manufacturer accountable for its behavior in a, in a in a broader sense. And in your piece, you talk a lot about the way that Boeing approaches this issue and 
I got to be honest, I think anyone who who reads it would be surprised. I mean, I think it's not the way that most people who get on and off airplanes with with not much of a thought anymore believe that, you know, the the leading domestic manufacturer uh, is is handling things. Absolutely. I mean, it's been I was just stunned uh, to discover all these these different ways in which the company had been had been cutting corners and being being kind of slipshod. The you know we we do think of this company as as being the great pride of American manufacturing. I mean even as all these other industries, uh, including of course cars, have have drifted overseas over the years and um, and we sort of lost our, our 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 manufacturing might in all these different areas. Boeing has remained the great shining light. This this our it's our largest exporter. This you know huge company with operations in just about every state in the country um, making these these airplanes that have for you know for a decade before these before these crashes um, we had not had um, a, a single commercial airline crash in the states in the United States and so there was a I think there's been this assumption that that everything's totally okay with with flying we've you know as our life has gotten so um, so kind of seemingly haywire in a lot of other ways with you know the, the rising threat of terrorism and the threat of mass shootings and climate change, you know, crazy storms from climate change. Um, flying was at least this one thing that it seemed to have become safer and something that we didn't need to worry about anymore. And, and I, I noticed as I was telling people that I was working on this article um, that a lot of people, you know, friends or just colleagues, didn't even want to really hear hear about it like it's we it's this thing that we don't want to even have to consider that that in addition to all the other things in our life that we have to worry about that that flying is something that that we maybe need to be thinking about a little more seriously than we have been Hmm. and and talk about some of the things that the manufacturer is doing or not doing that fly in the face of the idea of putting safety over profit well it really you know what i found is that it goes back some ways, actually, even though we've, even though it's we've gone, you know, this decade without a passenger air crash in the in the United States, these, these problems were building for years at Boeing, and, and and really only now with the with these tragedies really kind of came into full view. But but essentially, I mean, the the the, the uh, concise version is that that this company that had been for for decades really kind of an engineering company, company led by its engineers with this sort of a culture that was all around um, collaboration and safety and and pride in good engineering uh, started in the late 90s to become much more um, bottom line minded, Wall Street minded, um, and, and this is this is a shift that a lot of people trace to the uh, the merger between uh, Boeing and McDonnell Douglas um, in the late 90s, and and so you have you have that 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 shift kind of happening throughout the first decade of the century. Um, and the first sign that the things had actually kind of gone somewhat awry in the, in the corporate culture was actually the, the Dreamliner plane, the 787, which preceded this, this, the 737 MAX. And there were all sorts of problems with that plane, um, including a tendency for um, the batteries to, to set on fire. Um, and, and fortunately, no one no one died as a result of those problems. But that 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 plane had to be um, grounded for um, for months after it was after it debuted, and it was sort of a canary in the you know in the coal mine. 
that there was something wrong at the company. And and then and then now with with this with seven thirty seven max we've just seen it you know in, in really in stark full view the 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 fateful the really fateful decision um, the first fateful decision with this plane was the company's decision to basically um, instead of starting over from scratch um, as they were setting out to make a a new um, single aisle narrow body. Um, Jet to compete with Airbus, and they decided to take the 737, which has been around for decades, mm-hmm. 60s, and basically um, just work off of that that model and make all sorts of changes to that model, which ended up creating real aerodynamic problems for the plane. And the reason they took that step was basically it was to save money. If they had um, if they had started over from scratch, it would have it would have taken longer to get through um, regulatory approval and and the airlines, the customers for Boeing, the people, you know, the companies buying these planes, would have um, would have had to do more training of their pilots on these quote new planes, um, and and that would have um, you know that would have and it, actually Boeing had actually promised Southwest, which is its biggest customer mm-hmm. for these planes, that if, if Southwest had to do simulator training for its pilots on the planes, that Boeing would would pay Southwest a million dollars per per jet. Toward that, and so Boeing wanted to avoid that cost, and so took this took the 737 and basically patched it instead of um, starting with a with a new model. The great irony in all this is that when all is said and done, now Boeing has has acknowledged that there should in fact be simulator training um, for the 737 Max when it returns to service. Yeah, um, and put this in the sort of larger context of regulation and profit-making, I guess, in, in American business. I mean, a lot of your work focuses on the differences that you see uh, with regard to, to corporate behavior today and the way that, that profit makes, uh, makes decision-making different uh, and the way that, that some of the things that people perhaps used to think about uh, from a corporate standpoint just don't come up in, in conversation. I mean, this idea of taking a 50-year-old airplane and essentially retrofitting it for the future rather than designing from scratch, um, it, it, it contrasts pretty starkly with the behavior that I think people might ascribe to, to mega corporations like, like Boeing. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it was actually the, the, the sort of um, awareness, dawning awareness of that, of, of, of that shift in mindset it was something I think that's even been hard for the family in this case to accept. Michael Stumo, the father of Samia, the grieving father of Samia, has actually, for many years, he, um, he's been a huge admirer of Boeing from afar. He, he, he himself saw them as this great um, symbol of, of manufacturing, American manufacturing, American pride. He, in his, in his work, he's a, um, basically advocates for domestic manufacturing, domestic farmers, uh, domestic industries, Against foreign competitors, and and he always kind of held up Boeing as this what he what he called a national champion company, you know, a company that that was almost sort of almost like a you know a a a, uh, a, a national company in the sense that it was something that that um, that that the whole country was kind of invested in to, invested in its, in its success because it was such a huge part of our economy, and and it was just been I think for for him it's been this incredibly um, Kind of painful, uh, kind of 
moment of consciousness to realize mm-hmm. just how, in fact, how sort of morally hollow the company had become, and just how totally bottom line minded it had become um, at its at its top executive levels, and so you've had these really stunning kind of confrontations in Washington as this family and other families, grieving families, have been at the these various hearings on Capitol Hill um, with Boeing, uh, the Boeing executives sitting right there um, and, and and basically laying bare just how um, how how unconcerned about safety um, they'd become, um, just how obsessed with with the bottom line they had become, and and so that that really has been, you know, just incredibly tough for the families to take in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the other side of this, of course, you mentioned regulation. It's this is not just about the company; it's also about how the government has, over the years, mm-hmm. um, left left uh, Boeing and other companies more and more um, to their own devices when it comes to to regulating the safety of their products. And 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 you know, the great irony of this tragic irony of this is that Ralph Nader was the person who almost more than the other had in the late 60s and early 70s um, pushed to, you know, to, to cre- create tougher, stronger regulation across a whole swath of industries. That then started to fall away um, uh, under, under Reagan and years later to the point where in the last decade the FAA very explicitly started basically outsourcing the Regulation of, of the safety of Boeing airplanes back to Boeing itself, um, and it was this very deliberate, um, explicit process supported by both parties in Washington, um, in the name of efficiency, that that Boeing would basically be trusted to to um, to oversee itself as it manufactured planes. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about Boeing, its 737 MAX, air travel, and safety going into the future. And we're going to talk specifically about what this problem with the 737 MAX ought to tell us about air travel. And we want to hear from you. Have these crashes involving the Boeing 737 MAX revealed uh, something that makes you give pause to the, the idea of just getting on and off planes without a thought. Do you trust airplane manufacturers, airlines, and safety inspectors to make sure you're safe in the air? Tell us how your habits may be changing. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. My guest is Alec McGillis. He covers politics and government for ProPublica and wrote a piece in The New Yorker late last year titled The Case Against Boeing. It takes a look at the airline manufacturer's trouble with its 737 MAX airplane, which was involved in two deadly crashes and is now grounded. Um, We're talking about what is going on at Boeing and how this happened, not just in the instance of the 737 MAX, but in the totality of the way that Boeing approaches the balance between profit and safety. We're also talking about air travel and what effect the trouble with the 737 MAX is having or likely to have on air travel. Uh, We really want to hear from you, the listeners as well. Tell us what these crashes have revealed for you about 
the ease with which we get on and off airplanes in this country? Is it something that we are taking too much for granted? Uh, and maybe we should be a little more conscious of what's going on at the manufacturers. Do you trust airplane manufacturers? Do you trust airlines? Do you trust safety inspectors to make sure that you're as safe as possible when you're in the air? And what have Boeing's troubles meant for your investments or your retirement accounts? Think of the effect of this grounding on the other kinds of businesses that depend on air travel. As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Alec, uh, I, I, I want to get your sense of what this means for air travel. Uh, the, the effect on the business is one thing, but the effect on the culture and, and the way in which we interact with not only Boeing, but also the airlines has, has, has been deeply affected. It has. I mean, I think it's, it's, in a way, it hasn't been affected as much as you might think, given the scale of the disasters and what they, what they um, sort of un- revealed about, about one of our two big airline manufacturers in the world and airplane manufacturers in the world. And I think that, again, that's because, part, because a lot of us as, as airline passengers don't want to think about this stuff and have sort of, su- sort of suppressed a lot of these, uh, the awareness of a lot of these revelations because we just don't want to have to worry about this as well. But I, but I do think that I have this strong hunch that there's in general kind of a reckoning coming for airline travel in kind of a, a bigger way. Um, and it's only partly because of the, these, these safety concerns that we haven't had to worry about for a long time, but now do have to worry about again. I think it's also because you know, we're, we're more and more, um, first of all, more and more aware of just how deeply unpleasant airline travel has become, and you think you're seeing more people just sort of, um, you know, kind of um, being more um, open about, about just the, the real kind of awfulness of the whole experience. Um, and, then, and then finally, but more, most importantly, I think there's going to be more and more of a reckoning around, around climate change and, mm. and just what a problem um, uh, our, our heavy reliance on, on airline travel is for, for climate change. And it's this one, you know, area where we really, there are no obvious technical solutions, you know, you, know, you can look at all these different, different areas, whether it's power generation or, or cars or, um, or, you know, home, home heating, where you can actually make big advances, technological advances. And with airlines, you, we, we, we don't have that yet. And, and I do believe that there's going to be more and more, um, Political and consumer awareness of this problem, and and I think that you might my my hunch, and this is just my personal hunch, is that we might actually start to see um, somewhat of a turn away from from airline travel, or um, people trying to sort of um, not not eliminate it, but basic, but but reduce um, their their reliance on it, um, which I think is going to mean a lot, have some real implications for parts of the country that are less connected by rail, um, less, you know, um, more, more spread out, and, and that this is just something that you're going to see more and more of us talking about worrying about in years to come. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the ironies here, I think, is that just as 
Boeing has this this internal crisis. You, you do have this debate going on worldwide about travel, and you have other countries and other continents really investing in better ways to get around on the ground uh, much more heavily than we did here in the United States. And I, I, I really wonder, given, um, given the length of time it's taken Boeing to sort this out, and and the unlikely, I think, uh, uh, probability that it gets sorted out in a way that really keeps the the, the manufacturer sort of intact in the way that it was uh, before. Whether this inspires more of a look at rail and high speed rail in this country, which we're way behind China, we're way behind Europe um, in in terms of the way that we've we've leaned into that. Absolutely, I mean, it is quite a cut interesting confluence of, of two different uh, stories, the, 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 the Boeing safety problems and then, and then this, our, our awareness of, of the carbon emissions problem. And, you know, it's interesting, I, you may have noticed that just last week, even Boris Johnson, you know, the sort of the, the quote, Trump of, of the U.K., announced a, a big, big push for high-speed rail um, in, in the north of England, um, where a lot of his 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 political base um, lives um, sort of you know quote left behind parts of England. He's made, made a, announced this big push to to improve rail travel there. Um, it, it, we should be you know it, it's also worth noting that as as far behind as we are in this country, and then of course we're it's just a complete joke where we are where we've got come in, in terms of rail travel. There is actually there's interesting stuff happening now at, at Amtrak. Um, the new leader there, who actually came over from the airline industry, um, has has first of all been managed to get the losses, the operating losses, um, to shrink them quite a bit to the point where Amtrak's nearing break even. But he's also got this new plan to to really kind of address the lack of, of rail in in um, you know the interior of the country and and try to dramatically improve service between sets of cities in certain regions. So, you know, you know, among the major cities of the Midwest or among the major cities of the South or in Texas or what have you, to actually make it more possible to, to travel at those distances of two, three, four, five hours that are ideal for, for rail travel. And whereas where now you might have one connection a day and it's at, you know, two in the morning or something mm-hmm. ridiculous, to make it actually possibly doable to you know to get from um, you know Detroit to Cleveland or Detroit to Cincinnati or um, improve the Detroit Chicago connection things like that and um, at the expense probably of, of the, the big long uh, huge um, uh, you know na- nationwide coast to coast long distance trains which have, have always been big money losers but to basically invest more in those um, regional connections where where people could actually um, start to to take trains instead of flying. Mm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's start with Steve in Detroit. Steve, welcome to the show. Hi there. Hey. Um, this is just an additional perspective on, on Boeing. Um, I've done some research on uh, transportation industries and uh, economic development for a consultant. And um, Boeing is far and away the largest recipient of federal and state subsidies, Mm. economic location subsidies of any company in America. So 
And it's, of course, a major military contractor. Um, so it is deeply, deeply tied into uh, the American taxpayer-funded uh, subsidy. Right. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Steve. I'm glad you called and uh, added that dimension to the discussion, uh, Alec McGillis. This is another part of uh, your work in a, in a lot of ways, looking at the ways in which companies like Boeing strong arm, in some cases, governments, federal government, local governments, in order to to be able to keep their profits high, and and in this case, keeping their profits high at the expense of some of the safety requirements that uh, that they should be observing. Absolutely. I mean, it's such an important point. And the, I mean, there's, it's not an accident that Boeing is, is located in just about every state in the country. It's, it's a way for them to, to build their political support um, in, in Washington so that everyone basically has a stake in their success. Um, they are a huge defense contractor as well as a commercial airline builder. And, and, um, and, it's, and it's one of the things that's in their, their massive lobbying presence in Washington as well. They spend just just millions and millions on, on lobbying. And it's actually one, one reason why it's, uh, why it's particularly striking that they've now faced as much of a reckoning in Washington as they have from, from Congress and, and the FAA. Um, they, given you know, just how, how much enormous influence they have, the fact that they have managed to be, um, to, have been facing as much account as they have, shows just how grievous and, and, and and huge this this fiasco was that even a Washington that's still beholden to Boeing that re- realized that they had to um, to, to really um, you know sort of take action against them and 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 um, kind of reprimand them in a big way. Mm. We've got a couple minutes left, but I, I want to get you to talk about what you think the solution here is for Boeing internally, but also for country from the standpoint of, of air travel and and keeping confidence high in the idea that our lives are not being taken in our own hands by getting onto an airplane every day. I mean, it, that really would change uh, so many things in, in terms of the way that we travel for pleasure or travel for business. It would have economic implications. Is, is Boeing likely to solve this problem in a way that restores customer confidence? Well, uh, well, no. I think what it's, what it's really going to take is for a, for us to overhaul the way that we, the country, through our government, um, monitor them and oversee them, and 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 a complete reassessment of of this sh- this move toward toward basically outsourcing uh, the, the regulation and oversight to the manufacturer itself. Boeing is now going through its own process, of, you know, alleged process of of self-scrutiny and reassessment, and they've got all these different committees that work within the company to try to supposedly restore some of that kind of engineer-driven, safety-driven um, culture at the company. But, but that's not going to be enough. We, we also need to have the government itself, through, through, primarily through the FAA, um, look, take a whole new look at, at where we've come with, with regulation. And that's really what this family, the Stumo family, is, is fighting for. They, that's why they're going to Washington constantly um, and appearing before committees and going to having meetings at the FAA because they want to, um, they want to build back up that, that system of, of, um, of regulatory oversight and, 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 and transparency and, 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 and real 
just just diligence of you know of how our government functions the, the, the kind of um you know the, the, the kind of the ethic of, of real of real government accountability that that Ralph Nader was pushing for back in the 60s they're trying to build that back up that's what this is all about for them okay Alec McGillis who covers politics and government for ProPublica and wrote a piece in the New Yorker last year titled The Case Against Boeing. Great to have you with us here on Detroit Thank you, Today. Steve. Yeah. Okay, that's going to do it for us today. I will be back tomorrow. We're going to have a conversation with Oakland University's president and a look at how to apply positive peer pressure as it relates to climate change. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll continue our talks tomorrow. <laughs>